Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Plus, curate your dream setup with great deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com slash deals, you'll have access to leading-edge technology and free shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals. It's Rich Eisen. Yes, it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We have got a whole full house today, too, in-studio guest. Keith Hernandez is making his way here as the Mets are here taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, they won their fifth in a row last night. So we are we're good luck for Francisco Lindor, who called into yesterday's program. Keith Hernandez in-studio. Um, and Mike Del Tufo is already leading our poll question of who is going to be most likely the second spitter on the Rich Eisen show set today. <laughs> that would be DJ Mikey D is and D's nuts. Was it Roger McDowell? It was spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. It was Roger McDowell. <laughs> And TJ Jefferson is all dressed for. Look at you! He, he's my, my God! He's like Let's sound the trumpets the way you're dressed right Hold here. On. He's got the Mets jersey. The is that Mets David hat. Wright. David is that Wright. David jersey? Wright. Is that a Met David Wright game? I don't know. Well, you turn on your microphone if you're going to talk. I'm on the sorry. Rich no, show. I was just. We were just, just. We were saying stuff fronting? earlier that not. He's too busy fronting. I, would, I wouldn't call this friend. All right, there we go. That is a David Wright gamer, isn't it? <laughs> Or is that the five? I don't know. I can't it's, see if there's another number than the five. Is that a Sid Fernandez gamer? Hey, El Sid. El Sid. El Sid gamer? Nah, this is David Wright. This is the Because we're going to go down memory lane with him, with Keith Hernandez. Yeah. And then Tom Pelfrey, who uh, I've been a fan of for quite some time. He plays the long-lost brother, both figuratively and literally, <laughs> on Ozark. Uh, he's in the uh, new HBO program, the original series Love and Death, with Elizabeth Olsen and, um, and Jesse Plemons. Was he was he RB two back in the day? Was Jesse Plemons? Jesse was Plemons. Which uh, one was he? He was Friday ended up being the place kicker. Oh, remember? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Kristen Ritter as well. Um, so uh, he will be in studio hour number three. Mike Florio first up uh, as we'll talk a little bit of NFL draft nine days away. Whew. Off season workout programs are up and running. Huge news out of Western New York. The Buffalo Bills. Sean McDermott. Saying today, DeMar Hamlin has been medically cleared to return. Though Brandon Bean said it, pardon me, the general manager yeah. of, uh, of the Bills said that DeMar Hamlin's been cleared to resume full football activity, and we'll discuss that, that a few That's minutes awesome. for sure on this program. We got into a, like a nice little discussion about that earlier. Yeah, and so yeah. we'll, 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 we'll uh, chop that one up. Pre show, we oh, were on fire. Along with you, 844 204 Rich being the number to dial here on the program. It's been a while here on the Rich Eisen Show that uh, we started the show uh, by talking about Draymond Green's activities <laughs> in the playoffs. But uh, let me zig a little bit while everyone else is zagging on that front. And obviously, we will discuss what happened with Draymond Green and Domantas Sabonis last night. 
But you got to give it up first because it's going to be totally lost in the Draymond stomp and flagrant fouls and ejections and should he be suspended conversation. It's going to be lost just how freaking good the Sacramento Kings team is. Yeah. And because, you know, like the beam to start this program. Mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, we're all focused on the one seeds and obviously Durant and uh, with the Suns and the Celtics and the Sixers. Will that be a de facto Eastern Conference Championship final should that matchup happen in the Eastern Conference semifinal and the Lakers up 1-0 and what's going on with Morant and Giannis and the rest of last night's headlines. And sure, the Sacramento Kings haven't done what we were seeing them do, which is make the playoffs and win a playoff game in 17 years and we don't talk about sleepy Sacramento not even on your pop culture chart pretty much eight is enough that might have been the last show set in sacramento california (laughs) um but this team you tell me guys and i know i have two-thirds of the rich eisen show basketball podcast right here on this set with adam chudwin you want to chime in at 844-204-RICH adam's back there answering calls today for us you tell me who has a more lethal First step to the basket. Who's quicker to the basket with an equally lethal outside shot than De'Aaron Fox in the NBA? Hmm. Talk to me. First thing that comes to mind is John Morant uh, with the first step, getting to the rim. Uh, We've seen his explosive highlight reel dunks all season long in his career also. Uh, Not a good jumper as De'Aaron Fox, I don't think. Trey Young, he's fast and he can shoot. But Deion, not explosive at the rim like Fox and Deion Fox. Morant, yeah, has got it all. Yeah, he's you a, good. Good luck guarding him. I think that's part of the reason why Jordan Poole is nailed to the bench in this series. Who's gonna? I mean, if you can't guard this guy, if you can't play defense, if you have trouble playing defense, if you can't handle the pick and roll, if you can't trouble, and with Sabonis being the, the pick. He's Look tucked away in Sacramento. A lot out. of people don't know this kid, man. Look out. This is what you need in the playoffs in so many different ways as scorers. And when things are tough, you need a an offensive set to work. Then you dish. Malik Monk, holy cow. Lakers fans are like, where was that guy when he was right. here? <laughs> like he was a different person this season. Than Harrison Barnes, it was, it was ironic. He was the one who, or is it coincidental? I don't know. Who, who had the ball at the very end last night, former Warrior. Yeah. You could tell those, some of those dunks, you could tell were personal. He just, yeah. he's, he's the veteran presence too, and Sabonis. Can he guard the perimeter or what? He's all over the place. And he can pound you down low. And, um, you know, Kevin Herter, he's got a nice outside shot. Davian, Davian Mitchell was the one who kind of put in the dagger last night from the corner. And we know how you feel about Herder. That's your guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, everyone thought, oh, sure, you want to be this. You, you, f- beware of playing in, because if you play in, you might not make it. And then you get the Memphis Grizzlies. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be that five-seed Clippers fans. Oh, you don't want a piece of the Suns, even though they won game one. But that was the conversation. You wanted to be the sixth seed, because you want to take on the Kings. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's the wrong move. Okay. Up 2-0 in the series. 
And the last time the Warriors were down 0-2 in a playoff series, it was when all the smoke was happening. Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and Baron Davis. B-Diddy. For Don Nelson's 2006-07 Warriors. That was the last time. So prior, this is the first time Steph Curry's been down 0-2 in a series. And the Warriors in danger of getting bounced and without even winning a game on the road. Got to give it up to Mike Brown, the way he's dialing things up for the Sacramento Kings and De'Aaron Fox. Holy cow. He's something else. Honestly, you blink, he's at the rim. <laughs> and if you try and defend that, he's spotting up for threes. Hit nothing but net. We'll see what they do on the road, though. But I wanted to start the show with that. Don't don't lose that in this shuffle. You're a positive guy, Rich. Well, but uh, but I I, <laughs> I, I also want to make sure because I know the way the media works. We're all going to be focused on Draymond. We'll get to that. But uh, that just that just covers up the Kings after Draymond went out, taking a punch or a stomp and surviving it <laughs> and making the shots to win it. And making sure that Curry is hectored enough that he doesn't have an open look for a three. Clay had an open look for a three, buries it. I mean, that's what you need to do to beat the Warriors. You've got to make sure that they're somehow off balance, that they're guarded around the perimeter. Just got to make them work. And the problem is, and that's the, that's the problem with the Draymond going out, is if you, you, you guard the perimeter, who's going to be the one making those passes from the perimeter of backdoor cuts? Normally, that can be Curry. That's Draymond's role. And he wasn't there. Let's get to that. Draymond Green, as you know, I think is going to the Hall of Fame. And I don't believe the Warriors have as many rings as they like to tell you about, because they have them, without Draymond Green. They might have none of them. But as Brockman has pointed out many times on this show, and I'm sure would be happy to do so again, they could have more if it wasn't for Draymond Green's non-basketball activities during a basketball game. And I remember, I think, were we on the air yet? When uh, LeBron and I think we were on the air. Oh yeah, yeah, we were on the air because it's been going on a while. When uh, Draymond hit King James in the crown jewels <laughs> and got suspended, the Cavs gladly took that as an opportunity to win the final three games of their finals. And I just remember Draymond Green when he suspended. You know where he was? Remember where he oh, was? Oh, uh, he was basically- across the street. Watching at an A's game Marshawn with Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I guess he's not sitting there thinking, I'm not available for my team in such a crucial situation. As a matter of fact, he's owning it. He's wearing it on his sleeve. He's, not, he's, he's wearing it on his sleeve and owning it in a way that I thought was unhealthy. And now that he's got more gray in his beard, one would think that being unavailable would be worn in a much more statesmanlike manner? Not last night. Domantas Sabonis and him are on are, are tangled up, which is one way to say it. Another way to say it, the way that I saw it, the way that Jim Jackson saw it, the way that many others saw it, Sabonis grabs Draymond Green's ankle after the Warriors gained possession. And after Sabonis is not called for throwing Clay Thompson out of the way and onto the ground. And by the way, the momentum of doing that is what put him on the, on the ground. 
And it sure looks like to me he's grabbing onto Draymond's ankle and Draymond responds by stomping on him. Flagrant two, he's ejected. Sabonis gets a flagrant foul. By the way, missed his two free throws. But they do get lie. but but they do get possession. Well, that's because his lung had collapsed. Oh, is that right? Is that why? Because the lung is lung had collapsed to the point where he was playing lights out perimeter defense for the rest of the game. But that's you know he's going to still have an MRI today. We'll leave that aside for the moment. <laughs> Honestly, I mean he was running around. His by the way, if he does have cracked ribs or something or bruised or whatever, man, the way that his lateral movement was protecting the perimeter in the final. Minutes of that game. You know how adrenaline works. Fighting through Kevon Looney's picks. Looney. Man, that was impressive. (laughs) But this was a one-possession game. And Draymond gets ejected. And he's barking at the crowd. And then seemingly happy with the news. At least before I go, at least tell me you're calling it fair enough where Sabonis also got a flagrant. And then once he was seemed satisfied with that news and he delivered that had that news delivered to him, he's off the off the court. And your best availability in sports is your availability, and he's not there. And I would, you know, and you see the rest of the young guys on the bench clapping it up and seemingly, you know, fired up by Draymond's activities. And you know, what are you gonna do it for Draymond? Do it for the stomp? Now, Clay Thompson did say, you know, I don't agree. You know, let me get this exact words down. Clay Thompson did say afterwards that um, what are you going to do when someone grabs your foot when you're running full speed? I don't know how he was running full speed. It did seem like he was just starting from scratch. I'm not saying what Draymond did was right, but you just can't grab somebody's foot taking off at a full sprint. Steve Kerr said he didn't see it. Steph Curry didn't address it. I will. You can't get thrown out of a playoff game. You just simply can't get thrown out of a playoff game on the road when you're staring an 0-2 hole in the face. And Kevon Looney taking over Draymond's role in this offense and certainly on defense. Totally different team. And despite the rest of the Warriors standing there and clapping it up and seemingly fired up, I would have loved to have had a stenographer giving me the inner monologue inside Steph Curry's head. (laughs) I, it seemed like, you know what, I, like, it's difficult to ascribe it, but I, I would just have to think that the future Hall of Fame athlete in Steph's head was like, really? We're doing this again? Again. And it seems like to me that he looked deflated by it. Now, he played his ass off. I'm going to talk about tough to guard. <laughs> Right. How He's do you cuts, guard this guy? You don't. You just, you, 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 you're getting your steps. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you, get, you get your steps in. Nice. <laughs> Look at your Apple Watch at the end of the day like, I've oh, traveled 1,000 miles today. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Draymond after the game, um, he, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't own it. That's what he had to say. Walk us through what happened there. My leg got grabbed. Second time in two nights. Referees just watch it. I got to land my foot somewhere. 
And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. So you didn't really see where you were stepping? You just kind of... I, I can only step so far and pulling my leg away, so... What was, it is what it is. What was the explanation they gave? I know they gave him a technical, then obviously you... <clears throat> the explanation was I stumped too hard. Uh, how hard was the, that impact? Were you surprised that he was uh, on the ground for that long? No. I wasn't surprised that he stayed down that long. You said two times you've been held with Sabonis both times? No, it was Monk last game. Uh, right on the baseline under the rim. So, either you're going to stop it. Um, John Goble was looking at Monk hold my leg the last game, and he just let it go. And Zach clearly was watching my leg get held this game and let it go. So, I guess ankle grabbing is okay. It's not okay, but, you know, and he had just escaped um, a reputational foul getting called on him just moments before, after a play, where the officials in full real time thought that he threw his behind out to trip up Sabonis up the floor, and Kerr challenged that, and they reversed it. So he'd already had a reputational foul. You knew the refs were just looking at this sort of stuff or for it. And then maybe not on Sabonis, but maybe I would just say, you know what? You don't have to run up the court when your ankle is being grabbed. Why don't you just fall right down? Why don't you just call attention to it by flopping all over the place? And you lay on the, on, on the floor for three minutes. That might not be his M.O., his M.O. is like, screw you. It's not being called on me. I'll just place my foot down. It just happens to be on the chest of my opponent. It just seems to me that, you know, he'd prefer playing the victim this way than in the moment of being fouled. And part of that might be, it just seems again, and he has said this before, like, hey, uh, I'm going to be this way and I'm gonna, I do this to fire my team up. And if they don't follow me, then, you know, we're, we're, we're not winning anyway. I, I kind of am paraphrasing what he has actually said. I'm just wondering if that hit of Jordan Poole earlier this year is just something he just wants to keep doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on. I'm just wondering. Because why would he just be so happy to be unavailable with seven minutes to go in the cauldron of the beam lighting in Sacramento? Uh, why, why, would, why would you clap for being ejected? you got to be out there. You're a Hall of Fame player. Why is this... In your mind, better for you. I mean, by better for your podcast downloads, better for us to talk about it. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's, it, it's, it's just mind blowing to me. What was he thinking when he's watching his team having trouble getting shots off on the perimeter? What's he thinking? Sitting in the locker room as he's watching it go down the tubes. What's he thinking? I'm, I'm, I, I have been wronged by the officiating. Really? Yeah, he's always the victim. But you're down. It's always his fault. There's no accountability. He's the guy, like you said, knocked out Jordan Poole and then made a documentary so we would feel bad for him. So what, 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 what's the numbers, though, the, the hard-cold numbers about being down 0-2? When you're down 0-2 in the NBA playoffs, you lose 92% of the time. Well, I mean, 
that's what you need to be thinking about when Sabonis is grabbing your ankle. They had chances to win both games. And I know the way he plays is the way he plays, and that's part of the reason why he's going to the Hall of Fame because it motivates him, and I understand that's what athletes need to do, but he wasn't there. Wasn't there. Gone. Man, I would love to know what Steph Curry's thinking about that. Because how Steph thinks about it, I think, has a long way long way to go about what Draymond's future is there, as well as, by the way, the way the West of this series goes. I mean, the Warriors could easily win the next two. Easily. And then you got a best of three, and they're going to have to extend their winning streak of winning one game on the road to 28 consecutive series in order to get out of here. But Draymond wasn't there. That's it. End of story. And that shouldn't happen. It can't happen. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Happy to take your phone calls on this. Nine days to the draft. Are the Texans really not going to take a quarterback? Are they really going to trade out? Why not C.J. Stroud? There's a rumor going around as to why the Texans wouldn't take C.J. Stroud, and it has nothing to do with C.J. Stroud at all, other than his choice of agent. Hmm. I want to hit that with... Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, and the Jalen Hurts contract has a one big fat stone thrown into the quarterback contract pond, and we'll discuss the ripple effects of that and what's going on in the rest of the draft world. Mike Florio, when we come back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. And I should know, they kept my car on the road and they do it with a smile on their face. They offer friendly service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. And that comes in so welcome when your car needs to be put back together and they do it with a smile so you know you're being taken care of. They got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. And guess what? You should not miss Power Torque Tools DIY days at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Power Torque hand tools come in with a lifetime guarantee. And right now, you can save big on Power Torque hand tools, power tools, jacks, and more. Get great deals on a wide range of Power Torque jacks and jack stands, including two-ton jack stands and up to three-and-a-half-ton floor jacks. Let the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts help you find the right Power Torque tools for your next DIY project. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. We're having Mike Florian on to talk about everything going on in the NFL and obviously the draft nine days away, but it just hit me with Keith Hernandez in studio in hour number two. This is one of the... This is one of the great Seinfeld referencers that there is on uh, uh, in sports media. Joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show, prior to Keith Hernandez in studio, is Mike Florio. How are you, Mike? Rich, I'm doing great, and I've done a little research for you. Yes. Keith Hernandez said back in 2015 that he still makes roughly $3,000 per year there you go. for his Seinfeld wow. Yeah, I do not make that from my CSI. Uh, That's so shocking. That means, that means he got paid more than scale. So Seinfeld hooked him up. 
Yeah. I mean, he also helped him move, right? That makes sense. <laughs> One of the greatest episodes, right? Those two but episodes. But he only didn't help him move, remember? He begged off. He decided that was taking the relationship too far. So it was Kramer and Newman who <laughs> yes. swooped in after they decided they no longer hate Keith Hernandez, That's even right. though he spat on Kramer, although it wasn't him, it was Roger Dow. They went and helped him move. I knew True. you would keep us down the, the straight and yeah, narrow on that. Yeah, accurate. <laughs> Mike Florio here on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, let's just jump in here. What's going on with the Texans? Why why did uh, the first thing out of Nick Casario's mouth yesterday start with he's not leaving? He even made a Wolf of Wall Street reference. What was that all about yesterday? Well, there were some rumors that surfaced last week that he's leaving after the draft. And, you know, over the years that comes up from – time to time in connection with a given GM. And my experience has been that more often than not, when those rumors start circulating, there's something there. I remember it happening with Mike McCagnan, the Jets GM a few years ago. And I remember poking around before the draft with people who would presumably be in a position to know. And it was like, no, 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 everything's fine. He's not leaving. And then, boom, he's gone. It happened with John Dorsey with the Chiefs right after he drafted Patrick Mahomes. Now, Andy Reid runs the show there, but still, GM fired right after the draft. So when I hear something like that, I pay attention. So John McClain, who has covered that franchise forever, he raised it and knocked it down. Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle, formerly of NFL Network, mm. he said that the talk is Adam Peters, the 49ers GM, would be in play to replace Casario if he left. And so he had to say something. He felt compelled to say something. But when you look at what he said, Rich, he made it clear it's his perspective. The circle isn't complete until ownership says he's not going anywhere. It's one thing for him to not be leaving, but if ownership has decided to make a change after the draft, and until Cal McNair comes out with a statement or a quote or something that says this is all phony and exaggerated and fake, then I think we still have to pay attention to the possibility that a change is going to be made after the draft. It's exactly what they did 17 years ago when Bob McNair, the late founder of the team, Cal's father, fired Dom Capers, the head coach, right after the season, and then after the draft, Charlie Casterly, the GM, technically resigned but the thinking was he got pushed so i don't think it's over yet all we know is casario from his perspective isn't walking away does this have anything to do also with this the notion that casario also did nothing to to squelch on monday that they the texans second overall might not take a quarterback i mean what's up with that well you know we had assumed for a while and and really once the Panthers slipped into the number one overall spot March 10. We assumed they were going to take C.J. Stroud. The betting markets rocketed in the direction of Stroud. Mm -hmm. So it would leave Bryce Young for the Texans, and we thought that's how it was going to go, Stroud, Young. Well, as time went by, it's become more and more clear it's going to be Young to the Panthers. So what do the Texans do? And now lately this idea has emerged that they may not go quarterback. And, you know, Rich, the flicker first came for me. When D'Amico Ryan, the coach of the team, was speaking a week or so ago, and he talked about how it's important for whoever the number two overall pick is, whoever it may be, to not feel like they have to be the savior of the team. And for a defensive player, if they go edge rusher, it's harder to justify that status. You expect stats mm -hmm. from someone like that. You expect, you know, with a quarterback, it's easy. You go out and you light it up for 4,000 yards. You justify that pick. It's almost the same situation as when they took Mario Williams number one overall. Like, how many sacks do you need to get people to say, yeah, that was a good decision? And I think that D'Amico Ryan's putting that idea out there 
I think in hindsight is a clue that they're thinking about not going quarterback second overall. And look at where Ryan's just came from. Third overall two years ago in San Francisco, Trey Lance. How's that worked out after they traded up to get him? Last year, final pick in the draft, Brock Purdy. How's that worked out? So I think Ryan's is bringing some perspective to this process that may push them away from quarterback at number two. And then, of course, when when uh, when there's a, a rumor that confuses people, that's where conspiracy concepts start to fill a void. And again, a team like the Texans choosing second overall and having the pick of the entire quarterback class save whoever choose whoever uh, uh, is chosen by 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 Carolina just is so confusing of a of a notion. Um, even though Will Anderson is is really talented, and we're assuming that's who the first player off the board could be. This one long wind up for the pitch to ask you about the conspiracy theory that the Texans won't take Stroud. They will definitely not take a quarterback second overall, certainly if it's Stroud is that choice, because he shares the same agent as Deshaun Watson. Is that possible? Oh, I think it's definitely possible. Look, there have been relationships between agents and teams that have become ruined in both directions. There'll be an agent that doesn't want to deal with a given team, a team that doesn't want to deal with a given agent. There have been some notorious agents in the past. There was at one point when Sean Merriman came out, he had hired a different agent, who helped get him drafted high, the late Gary Wishard, mm-hmm. and then fired Wishard after the draft and hired a different firm that if he had had that firm from the get-go, he wouldn't have been drafted as high as he was because his agents that he was represented by, I don't think they're in the business anymore, but they, they were a group that the teams were always leery about. So you've got the Texans, who had a very bad relationship with Sean Watson and his agent David Mulugeta of Athletes First, and could that cause them to say, we don't want to have to deal with this again? Now, we'd have to know what's going on behind the scenes to try to mend fences, but it was ugly. Now, at the end of the day, it was a win-win. Look at what the Texans got for Deshaun Watson. They were able to move on, and Watson was able to move on. There's reason for the two sides to, to find you know, some common ground in the fact that they both did come out of this with a victory, but it was an ugly, nasty process, and who knows what was said between executives and agents back when Watson made it clear he wants out. And there were some strong feelings. Remember, he had some candidates for the head coaching position that he submitted to the team when he was under the impression he was going to be involved, and they ignored them. Robert Sala and Eric Bieniemy ignored by the Texans, not even interviewed by the Texans, and those were two names that Watson had supplied through his agent. So it's quite possible there's hard feelings there that still linger. that would have to be, at a minimum, processed before you get to the point where you're ready to have another relationship like that with the most important player on your team. Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio here on the Rich Eisen Show. We just mentioned Deshaun Watson's name in relation to the Texans back in the day and how that might be uh, helping them form an idea of who they refused to take in the draft because of C.J. Stroud sharing an agent with them. So that kind of leads us to the next topic, uh, which is Jalen Hurts' contract not having every penny guaranteed, a la Watson's, leaving the Haslam's, the owners of the Browns, and the Browns still on that island, uh, contractual island by themselves. The Eagles give Jalen Hurts a generationally enriching contract that in certain ways to parse it, best contract that's ever been given to a quarterback. Um, what is your two cents, figuratively, on that contract and its ripple effect in the NFL? Mike. It's impossible to make a full assessment of the contract until the full details 
are made available. And I'll get them at some point. I'm already working it through multiple different angles. I'll get them. I'll break it down. What's the signing bonus? What's the full guarantee at signing? The yes. rolling guarantees, when do they vest? It gives you an idea of how much money he's actually going to make and when the window would open for the Eagles to say, okay, this is a mistake. We need to move on. For example, if the Broncos would have loved to have moved on from Russell Wilson, can't do it after one year given the structure of the deal. So there's a certain amount beyond what he's earned in the first year of the contract that he's going to continue to make. So with Hertz, what are those guarantees? Now, Adam Schefter had cap numbers last night, and somebody I know who's very versed in negotiating and evaluating contracts reverse-engineered the cap numbers and said it looks like $64 million over the first two years, $105 million over the first three years. It may not compare as favorably to some of the other deals that have been done. There may even be a question as to whether it compares favorably to the Daniel Jones contract. Huh. But, but we'll see what the full details are. And again, what's that full guarantee at signing? How much becomes fully guaranteed next year when they're not going to cut him after one season? And what does that structure look like? When does the window open for the Eagles to make a change if they decide to make a change? When does it go non-guaranteed? And, and, and you know, we had all this talk about Lamar Jackson wanting a fully guaranteed contract. There was no discussion of Jalen Hurts wanting one. And, and how do you get one unless you're in a situation like Deshaun Watson where you have engineered this auction where four teams are <laughs> vying, competing for right. your contract in a trade with the Texans, and you tell the Browns, see you later, at the perfect time when they've pissed off Baker Mayfield and they get desperate. Like, those are things you just can't engineer, you can't anticipate. And Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson aren't in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. They're negotiating with their current teams. So you can't generate the same leverage that Watson used to get a fully guaranteed contract. That's one of the big reasons why these guys aren't going to get one. Huh. Okay. So what do you think is the ripple effect, if there is one? Because um, it, it seems like the, the contract that Hertz got will be used as a template for everyone else. He went first. So what do you think about that and how it does relate to Lamar Jackson, which is the biggest question mark, I would say. Well, with every one of these contracts, if it's good for the player, the next player wants to use it as a template. If it's good for the team, the next team wants to use it as a template. And it all comes down to how the negotiations go between player and team. I could see it dragging down Justin Herbert more than it drags down Joe Burrow because I could see Joe Burrow saying, I don't care what Jalen Hurts got. I want what I want. And Bengals, if you want to keep me, over the long haul, you better give me what I want or you're going to have a problem. I mean, they have made it so clear. They're going to do whatever they have to take to keep this guy around as long as possible. They're basically giving him a blank check. Now, will he want a fully guaranteed deal? I don't know that he needs a fully guaranteed deal. And that's another part of this contract negotiation process that, that I don't think is widely understood. If there's one term or one structure that you really want, you've got to give up somewhere else. So if you want full guarantees what are you giving up on the other side? If you want a high average per year, like Jalen Hurts got, what are you giving up elsewhere? What do you get? What do you give up? And, and so, yeah, once we see the final numbers, uh -huh. if it's good for the Eagles, other teams will try to use it. If it's good for the player, other players will try to use it. And the bottom line is the cap keeps going up, the market keeps going up, the contracts keep going up, and each one of these contracts gets negotiated individually, based upon how far the player wants to push it and what his options are 
if he decides to say to the team, I'm just not accepting what you put on the table. Before I let you go, Mike Florio, uh, nine days before the first round of the 2023 draft, what are you hearing about the top 10 and how it might formulate best you can tell? Anything new? Well, the, the, the betting markets, I think, are fascinating. They've become a great tool for predicting what's going to happen with the draft. Now, they get some things wrong, but when it relates to the top of the draft, they're pretty accurate. So when you've got I mean, Bryce Young, the runaway favorite, he's number one. Number two, you've got guys like Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson who are catching the quarterbacks. Uh, you, you've got Will Levis ahead of C.J. Stroud to be the second overall pick. I mean, you just track it one by one. You look at who the favorites are for where guys are going to land. Jalen Carter. All the talk about him falling out of the top ten. He may not fall out of the top five. Really? The betting markets are pointing to Seattle. So I just think those betting markets are going to be critical to giving us the insight as we get closer and closer to the draft as to how that top five, top ten is going to, is going to fall. And that's an interesting exercise year to year, looking at what the betting markets are just before the draft begins and how the draft plays out. They tell us not to tip the picks. They don't want us to tip the picks. The betting market may end up tipping the picks on behalf of all the networks who are asked very politely by 345 Park <laughs> Avenue not to tip the picks. I don't want I, – I, just so you, you're aware, and I think I've told you this here and also, you know, personally without a microphone on us, I, I'm, I, I don't want to know. I mean, look, the, the NFL draft could easily be done like somebody's fantasy league. You know what I mean? We could do it on an encrypted website where everybody takes five minutes for a pick and we're done by the end of the night. And nobody knows. We'll just like you'll just learn it. Uh, maybe as it's happening, or at the end of the night, it gets sent out. You know, by a press release. That's the way it could be done. This is a show, and I'm a host of a show, and I don't want to know. I want I want to be surprised, just like everyone else. And I'm assuming everyone's fi- figuring it out the same way. Um, I agree with you. That's 100%. The way I want to go. Rich, look, every year I get the call from someone at NBC mm-hmm. reminding me that the league office does not want the picks to be tipped and every right. year mm-hmm. the angel pops up on my right shoulder and the devil pops <laughs> up on my left shoulder and they have an arm wrestling match and every year the angel wins because the audience doesn't want it this isn't a normal journalistic exercise i've been backstage at the draft yeah when it was at radio city i would go up there and we'd have a room in the back and we'd interview guys and when you're backstage you're privy to the fact that they've got four picks in they're just spreading it out to enhance the show it's not hard. You don't need many contacts to know who the next pick is going to be. This is not Pulitzer Prize material <laughs> if you find out who, who it is. It's a parlor trick. It's not hard to find it out. The audience doesn't want it. I agree with you completely. They want to watch the commissioner walk to the podium yes. and utter the name, and they don't want to know it before. Yeah, them. they want him to be the Paul Revere. Who's coming? You know, you know, one if by air, two if by ground. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, they, they, this is... This is the way I think fans want it, but maybe one day it'll switch and then... No, no, no. I, I think it's that, because that's what it is. You hit the nail on the head. This doesn't have to be a show. It is a show about nothing. Think about what the draft <laughs> is. What is the useful value of taking this thing to Kansas City yes. or anywhere right. when you could do it... In two seconds. You could do it through a group text. Right. It doesn't have to be what it is, but people love it. So it is what it is. Yeah. And the ultimate thing, especially the first night, is having the commissioner walk out, get booed, and then announce the pick. <laughs> In that order is what you're saying, pretty much. Yes, yeah. Yes. You know, I, it, it really is something that, uh, to me, I, I, and I love, I love hosting it, and, and I love doing it that way, and I hope fans still want to have it delivered in that manner. But So you think Jalen Carter has a short night when it's all said and done in nine I nights from now? I think that five is his realistic <gasps> 
ceiling. And I think the momentum is growing to the point that, who knows, maybe somebody tries to cut the line in front of the Seahawks if people think the Seahawks are going to take him at five. And if not the Seahawks at five, how about the Lions at six? And if not the Lions at six, how about the Steelers trading up with the Bears at nine? And you think of those coaches, Pete Carroll, Dan Campbell, and Mike Tomlin, respectively. That's exactly what Jalen Carter needs. He needs somebody who's going to push his buttons and get the most out of him. Because when he's focused and motivated and determined, he's generational. The question is, can they get the most out of him? And it comes down to the coaching that you're going to get. That's the one thing that gets overlooked when we talk about the draft. Where does the kid land? And what kind of help is he going to have? What kind of coaching is he going to have? How motivated is he going to be? And uh, those three coaches, I think, would be in a position to get the absolute most out of Jalen Carter. Mike, thanks for the time. Uh, are, will you be in Kansas City? Do I see you there? No, I haven't been to the draft since they left Radio City, so that's been a long time ago. 2014 is the last year I was All there. right, so uh, hopefully you choose NFL Network because uh, we, we... I, I Well, I will. Thank you. <laughs> that sounded like I twisted your arm. Wow. Come on. Come on. Did I lose him? I don't even know who hosted on ESPN. <laughs> boy. So uh, I'm then... ever, since, ever since Berman, and <laughs> Berman, who used to be the master yep. of subtly tipping the pick, I know. the commissioner right. was walking to the podium. Once he stopped, then, you know, that's that. Yeah, I hear you. Well, now, since you've definitely said you're watching NFL Network, I will also definitely say, everybody get father of mine, where all ebooks are sold. Thank you very much. <laughs> You can go. I can do a good quid pro quo. Go Four ninety nine wherever you get your ebooks. La- Debuting next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. Order it now. Order it now. Order it now. Mike, thanks for the time. Be well. We'll thanks, chat Rich. soon. Good talking to you, pal. Right back at you. That's Mike Flory, Everybody at Pro Football Talk and must follow. Right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, let's take a break. We'll be back uh, to uh, unwrap a lot of what Mike just said. As always, great food for thought from Mike. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tell you how excited I am that Keith Hernandez is in our oh, green room yeah. right now. Probably not as excited as such. me, but you look know. at you, man. Well, you know that I invented <laughs> the look cake quarter. If 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 you didn't have you five fingers, I'd think Mr. Met was sitting. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't figured that out yet, um, have we? Three. No, no, no. no. Four, yes. four fingers. Three, one is a thumb. It's an appendage. And it's once you finger. bend the thumb back, and if you have just four fingers. 
It's an appendage. Then the middle one still exists, as we've, we've honestly. It's, a, it's no, an appendage. It's an appendage. I don't get it. I don't get it. If you have four, there's no middle. Exactly. So um, when I teach my children how many fingers we ha- they have. Four five. and four a thumb. fingers. Four you have five fingers. You have five. five. Right, you have five fingers, right. But if you have four, where's the middle? But then you bend the thumb back. Bend your thumb back. Bend your thumb back. There's your middle. There's your middle. No, but now. Which is what Mr. Met did on that day. No, I'm team Mr. Met here. Oh, I mean, who's not? You remember they used to have Mrs. Met? Yes. yes. Mrs. Met's still She's around. Still around. Is she really? Yes. Yeah. You know what I love? The, uh, Sorry, bullpen I car, the bullpen car? The bullpen car. I loved the Met hat. When I would go to games, the Met hat with the bullpen car. Hey, the Yankees used hey, to have a full-on sedan. Yeah. Remember let's said, all of a sudden start acting like we're Mets fans here just because oh, one of the all-time stop. greats is in there. Excuse me. All right. Come oh, on. Excuse me. Excuse me. Hold on a second. Hold on a minute. Excuse me. Mr. Altoona, <laughs> yeah, I'm a native New Yorker. Well, I mean, you know, Brockman would I've give been me to My first game ever was at Shea Stadium. I watched Mickey friggin' Lolich pitch for the Mets. You know, John my, Milner was in the yeah. outfield, and I got to wave at him, and I'll never forget it. You want to know who the my team first I saw? Game ever was at Shea Stadium. I was at. Yeah, excuse me. Hold on yes, a minute. I'm with you. I can't believe I've got I to defend Jets myself here. Look, I'm just saying, you guys are hold Yankees on. fans. He's hold a on. Red Sox fan. Excuse me. Hold All on right. a minute. Hold on a minute. I've been a Mets you opening the, day one. Excuse me. You are the Met fan of the Rich Eisen that's show. All that's, that's all I'm saying. And I but, created. But this man <laughs> created the K Corner. In the New York Times, it says I created the K Corner. I just, just again, since Keith is sitting in our green room, potentially frightened to come out here now. You. Did not create the no, K corner. No, these other guys did, and I took and over then the for New them York when they Times left. wrote about Opening it. Day, happened to show up seats. Yes, after those guys left, left. and you were actually we were friends with the guys, and you were uh, administering the K. You were yeah. in charge of the K corner. corner. I took over for Dwight Gooden, and then Gary Carter hit a home run ah. to win the game at the end of the game. This guy, come on, and the New York went, Times went and I saw the Boston lose to them. So you didn't tell. Hold on a second. You didn't tell the New York Times reporter when they came to ask questions about the K corner. You just acted like this was no, your no, corner. No, no, no. My friend you didn't kind say, of like, this. I don't run it. I'm just here. The guys who run it just <laughs> there's left. There's no way he gave that you info. There's up. no way. There's no way the he said, they, "Oh, this isn't mine. This isn't mine. No. I'm just here. I'm just putting the K on a pizza box." <laughs> Here's what happened. I, I usually spell K backwards anyway. <laughs> Here's what happened. One of the guys said, "Who's doing the K corner?" Because we want to talk to the guys that did doing, the K corner. Doing the K corner. And, and, and by the way, Goodwin was already out. Reporter used that phrase as <laughs> well. was out. Doing the K corner. And, and, we, and they pointed us out. And we got it. <laughs> Brockman loves this story. It's, I showed you guys the black and white in I the New York Times. I cannot wait. It's legit. Oh, man. You, you guys want to hear something funny Keith about. Hernandez here to hear this story in person. You guys want to hear something funny about the first time I went to Shea? Guess who the Mets were playing? Uh, the Cardinals? No, the Pirates. Okay. Oh. So I left Pittsburgh to oh. go to New York, and it just so happened that they were playing the Pirates, who I watched every day anyway. Oh, I, I thought was like, your Come story on. was it was Keith Hernandez as a Cardinal before no, he became like a No, it was just like, what's the chances of that? <laughs> like, I had to go to New York oh. to watch a team that Did was— Did you drive all the way from PA to go? Yeah. Wow, that's pretty—that's And it wasn't like—it didn't mean to oh, go to the is, game. I was in New York I imagine this was, and got tickets and was like, who are they playing? The Pirates. Well, I, I mean, like, but th- was this the Jim Leland, Barry Bonds Pirates? No, this was— this is, Oh, this is the— This, this is, is mid-90s. Oh, this is— so The I bleacher came, seats and shit were amazing. Thing. That was the big apple coming out. That was like the 80s was just— Brock Covering the World Series, the, uh, the 2000 World Series for, did, for yep. ESPN, um, underneath Shea Stadium's— Bleacher uh, underneath, uh, I guess, in the tunnel that leads out to home plate. Yep. 
and just looking up and around and seeing just like cobwebs there since Ed Cranepool was playing. <laughs> you know, seriously, like there, there might have been like a Doug Flynn hot dog wrapper stuck somewhere. And I just Kinda thought to right. myself, my God, this is this place is old. <laughs> this is an old spot. Connor's Corner. Well, I mean, I mean, we speaking of Connor's Corner, um, Keith and Ron Darling, who's a, another oh, one of our favorites awesome. here. We now, I don't think we've ever had Gary Cohen on, who's phenomenal. He's amazing. The three of them have been calling Met games together. This is their 18th season together, surpassing. Yeah. Wait for it, Mets fans. Ralph Kiner, Lindsey Nelson, and Bob Murphy. Oh, Bob Murphy. Oh, that's Bob my Murphy. that's my childhood right there. Fasten your seatbelts, everybody. Franks. I remember. Oh my God. Cons Franks. So Con- I'm sure. I'm sure Keith was a guest in Kiner's Corner. Had to be. Had to be. Hundred percent. Had to be. Was he there on Mother's Day when uh, when uh, Ralph wished all mothers out there happy birthday? <laughs> Is that a thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's Mother's Day, so all you mothers out there, happy birthday. <laughs> I'm sure it was oh, some mother's on. birthday that day. Yeah, true. Got one. <laughs> I am sure Mother's Day did in fact land on somebody's birthday. Who was a mother? Uh, and a mother.